This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. I want to bring you a message today entitled, Assaulted, Assaulted. Because whether you realize it or not, you're going to be under constant assault in your life. Constant assault. Matthew chapter 4 is where we're going to begin reading in just a moment. As I was walking in this morning, John chapter 14 just leapt into my heart. This says, let not your heart be troubled. Okay? Too many times life wants to take your heart and harden your heart. It wants to make you set your heart because of the pain and the struggles you faced. And today I want to just identify what it is that's trying to destroy the, the tenderness of your heart. And let's, let's just read together. Matthew chapter 4, verse number 1. Uh, why don't we ask God to open His Word. Father, open this Word to us today that we might become like Jesus. Change our hearts and change our lives. And Lord, I believe this is a Word from You. In Jesus' name, Amen. Matthew chapter 4, verse number 1 reads like this, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. Tempted, assaulted, challenged by the enemy. In case you haven't realized it, the enemy is going to want to take you out. But for 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus fasted and became very hungry. He knew how to fight. Some battles can only be won in the spirit realm. Can I get an amen? amen. During that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the Son of God. I think that's important to notice that. So much so, I want you to say that line with me, if you are the Son of God. Help me with that. If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the Scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That was the first assault. Second assault. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, here we are again, if you are the Son of God, jump off. For the Scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands. Isn't that amazing that the one who had the, the protection of angels yet held them back so he might bear wounds for our transgressions? So you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the Scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Third battle. Next the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain, and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said. What? Notice this. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. I love what Jesus said here. Get out of here, Satan. Come on now. How many of you... Your life would be different if you had known that phrase and used that phrase. Get out of here, Satan. Come on, let's just say that together. Get out of here, Satan. Use that against the devil, not against your spouse. <laughs> Jesus told him, for the scriptures say, yeah, that might get you in trouble. You must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. I want to talk to you about these three assaults that came against the life of Christ and how they mirror the three assaults that want to stop these young people and all of us here from being who God created us to be. The very first assault came in that line that I said to you that if you are God's son, the first way the enemy wants to attack you is he wants to attack your identity. 
The enemy wants you to forget who you are. The enemy wants you. I remember when I was a young man preaching, people would come to me and they would say, we'll see if you still preach this way after you've lived a little while. You see, what they were trying to say to me was that you're going to suffer a lot of pain. You're going to go through a lot of struggles and it's going to change who you are at the core of your being. We'll see if you still love Jesus after you've had a few nicks and bruises in your life. And I'm, I'm thankful to tell you I'm still standing here because Jesus has been faithful through all the nicks and bruises of our lives. Come on, amen. But you see, Satan came to steal the identity of Christ and so he came to him. He was trying to commit identity theft. Identity theft being that that someone else takes uh, your personal information, takes who you are, and then they bring about debts against you that don't belong to you. I, I understand that many of you may have suffered that, but the enemy is wanting to produce identity theft in your life because he's wanting to take who God created you to be, and through the pains and through the struggles, he's wanting to rewrite who that is, and he's wanting to create a new reality for you. You see, in this passage, the enemy was trying to steal the identity of Christ. Why is this important? Why would the enemy try to steal the identity of Christ? Because if Jesus had doubted his identity, notice this, then he would have been unable to walk in his purpose. If Jesus didn't know who he was, he couldn't do what God had called him to do. So he had to know who he was. Now, that's very similar. It's important because if you don't know who you are, you will never do what God has called you to do. Now, the very first thing that's going to happen to these graduates as they enter into college is they're going to go into a, a philosophy 101 class. They're going to go into classes that begin to tell them, you have been sold a line of lies. And they're going to tell you, you haven't been allowed to think freely for yourself. Somebody's tried to tell you how to believe your parents imposed these, these things on you. And we want to free your mind from all of these restrictions. The enemy wanting to rob you of the identity and the core values that have been instilled in you by people, nonetheless, who love you and who, have, who are paying for you to be there most likely. And the enemy wants to steal your identity. And watch this, it blows my mind. Your parents told you you had to believe this way, so you have believed this way. And then they'll say to you, we want you to believe like you want to believe. But then they'll say, but if you want to pass the test, you better believe like I believe. There's no freedom of thought. There's no freedom to stand upon what is true in those very settings. And so the enemy's going to attack your identity. The enemy wants to steal your identity. Why? Because people identify themselves, listen to me, it's very important, by what they do, by the actions they have. And the way that you're going to identify yourself is going to determine how you live and the quality of life that you end up with. This is super important. As a matter of fact, I met some people yesterday. We started out like this. Hi, my name is. We talked for a few moments. And then after we, we had told who what our names were, the very next question was, what do you do? You see, your identity is really wrapped up in what you do. Your actions and identity are connected. Why? Because you will always act by who you think you are. And so the enemy wants you to lose who you are because the way you conduct yourself is going to be your, your portrayal of who you really think you are. If you think you're big and bad, you're going to carry yourself in that way. If you think that you are no good, you're going to carry yourself as no good. As a matter of fact, if you think you are no good, you will never be good enough. If you don't think that you can be whole, if you don't think that you can be healed, then you will never be healed. 
The enemy wants to change the way you view yourself because if he can change the way you view yourself, I'm preaching truth today, he can rob you of the true identity that God's created you to be. Well, Pastor Don, who has God created me to be? I can tell you he didn't create you to be under. He created you to go over. He didn't create you to be the tail, but he created you to be the head. I can tell you that he didn't create you to be bound by some addictions to porn and some addictions to drugs and some addictions to alcohol. He called you to be an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. I can tell you God created you for something better. But who you see yourself as, it will determine what you do. Listen to this, it's important. You will determine what you do in this life because who you think you are is going to determine every step of your life. If you will begin to see yourself as a blood-bought child of the king, it's going to save your soul. It'll save your life. When you begin to believe in Christ and you begin to see yourself as a believer, as a Christian, remember who you see yourself as determines what you do. This is important. If you see yourself as a believer, watch this, you're going to walk like it. You're going to act like it. You're going to talk like it. You're going to live like it. You're not going to be ashamed of who you are. Why? Because you're not going to let someone else rob you of your identity. You're not going to let the pains and the darts of the enemy harden your heart. You're going to see yourself as a believer, and you're going to plant yourself in in fertile ground of life. Because why? Some of you are going, Pastor Don, you don't understand the college I'm going to. No, you don't understand the promise of God that said, wherever you put your foot, I will give it to you. God wants to equip you so that you can conquer. But the devil wants to very quickly rob you of who you are. Because if he can rob you of who you are, you'll lose your way. Because who you are determines what you do. Super, super important. You see, you have to learn that who you see yourself after is is going to change everything about you. As a matter of fact, you need before and after pictures. I love it when somebody comes into our, into our regeneration program. I absolutely love it when somebody comes into that program because watch what happens. They come into that program, and about two or three years into that program, they'll come to me and they'll say, look, pastor, look at my picture. And I'll say, well, yeah, that's awesome. They said, now look at my last picture. And in this picture, they were drugged out, they were strung out, and emaciated and gaunt. And in this picture, their skin's glowing. Light has come back into their eyes. But listen to me, it's not just people who are addicted that have that way. You see, right this moment, you might feel like a frail child and don't know how you're going to conquer in this world that you're stepping into. But if you will hear what I'm trying to tell you today, know who you are in Christ Jesus, you're going to find over the next few years that instead of being beat down, you're going to step up in victory. And people are going to see there's something different about you. You're going to encounter your friends who are spinning their wheels, wondering why they're not moving forward in life. And you're going to go, you know what? God has taken me places I could not imagine. Why? Because I learned who I am in Him. And who you are determines what you do. The second attack that came against Christ was your authority will be attacked. Your authority will be attacked. You have a God-given authority. And the world wants to tell you to be subservient, but I'm trying to tell you to rise up. The world says, don't question. I, I mean, listen to that. The, the people think, well, the church is afraid of questions, afraid of scientific questions. No, I dare you to question. I dare you to seek it out. Why? Because his word proves itself out every single time. His truth is real. You cannot outrun who God is and how, how good God is and his truth always proves itself out. And the devil will try to steal your authority by, by getting you to live in fear and forgetting who you are. 
So what did the devil do? He took Jesus to the holy city and he said, if you are the son of God, if, even if you are the son of God, then throw yourself down. Isn't that amazing? The devil will tell you who you're not until you learn who you are and then he'll try to remind you constantly of other struggles in your life. Now watch this. You have power and authority. Can I get an amen? amen. But you can't use that power and authority any way that you want. You can only use it the way that God intends. Could Jesus have got, could stepped off that, that high temple and began to be headed to the ground and commanded angels to catch him? Yes. He could have done it. But I love what I'm about to say to you. This is so important. But Jesus wouldn't do it because he didn't have his father's permission to do it. You see, Satan was trying to get Jesus to walk in rebellion. And rebellion steals our authority. Rebellion will hold you back and hold you. Some of you have been saying your whole lives, when I get 18, just watch out. This is what I'm going to do. And your parents are laughing and going, once you've got a car payment, you will go to bed on time. <laughs> you've been declaring what you can do because of your own authority that you're coming into right now. But watch, this is so important. The devil wants to take that authority that now you're stepping into and get it out of line with God's will. As a matter of fact, he wants you to end up with a car payment, a house payment, student loan payments, a boat payment, and a credit card payment that's so bad you can't even worship God because you can't even breathe anymore and you can't love the spouse God gives you and you can't know the children God's giving you. The devil wants to rob you of your authority and if he can rob you of your authority and bind you down, he can make you forget who you are. I'm preaching truth. You see... The enemy is constantly trying to take our joy. And one of the ways he does that, he comes to use our authority in Christ to get us to rebel against God's plan. We go, well, I'm a Christian, but I can get away with that because God will forgive me. No, that's rebellion. You know what Jesus said in the book of John? Here's what Jesus said in the book of John. He said, I only do what I see the Father do. Or I only do what the Father does. Wow. Jesus said, I could act any way I want to, but if, if my father's not doing it, then I'm not going to do it. I can act any way I want to. The Bible says all things are lawful to me, but they're not profitable to me. In other words, that doesn't mean it, if it doesn't build me up and build the others up around me for Christ, then I need to come back into line with the Word of God. I'm preaching truth here. You see... We all have authority, but anytime you use your personal authority for gain, position, or power over somebody else, it's really a form of rebellion. And the original sin was exactly that. The enemy used the position that God had given him as a place of rebellion. It ultimately cost his place and his identity with God. It cost him his name. I love when I hit a vein of the Holy Spirit. I ought to say it cost him his What? See, some of you that I'm talking to today, these seniors that are graduating, right now your name is potential. Right now your name is intelligence. Right, name, right now your name is victory. Right now your name is overcomer. And the devil wants to come in and steal your name by stealing your authority and binding you to some struggle and binding you into some bad relationship and getting you to compromise the word of the living God. But I come with a word from God today. God gave you a name. God gave you the strength to protect that name. Guard your heart. Don't let your heart be hardened and walk in the authority that Christ has given you in this life. Amen. Rebellion puts you in the wrong spirit. 
There's a story in, script, uh, in Scripture where the, the, the disciples have been out healing people and they've been out casting out devils and they've been taking all kind of authority and they all gathered together for kind of like a meeting to talk about what's been going on and that local town was really mean to Jesus. And they told him to get out basically. And so Jesus told him, you know, just, just shake the dust off your feet and let's go. And the disciples said, no, 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 let's just call down fire from heaven and just destroy them. How many of you would like to have that gift? You know? I don't know if I have that gift or not, but you know, I used to drive up this 53 up there here and there was a bar up here on the corner and this bar was serving 14, 15 year old ch- children drinks nonstop, just, just people's lives being destroyed in there. And every time I'd come by that bar, the bar sat right behind the gas station. I would pray this. I'd say, burn it down, Jesus, burn it down, burn it down. And one day I came by there and the gas station was burning to the ground. I said, wrong building, Lord, wrong building. <laughs> I heard about another. Situation very similar, same type deal. Bar was ruining people's life. This one woman was tired of her life being ruined by that bar. So she started praying, burn it to the ground, Jesus, burn it to the ground. And she said, no, I'm not seeing any progress in the last few years. So she got herself a prayer partner. The Bible says if any two or three agree upon anything you know, on earth, so asking in Jesus' name shall, shall it be accomplished. And so she got herself a prayer partner. And she's, she's praying, they're praying. And the next week, I mean, by Friday, that, that bar is burned to the ground. Now watch this before you shout over it. That bar is burned to the ground. She goes to her prayer partner. She said, it worked. She said, I knew you were a woman who knew how to pray. She said, well, sister, I know how to pray, and I know how to use a match, too. Come on now. Amen. Amen. I do not advocate that at all. But what I'm trying to tell you is we all have God-given authority. And you have the authority. Some of you go, Pastor Don, that doesn't make sense. No, you don't understand. Before we, when we've been going through transitions in our life, particularly as my wife's been passing these things and tests and stuff in school, what I've been laying hands on her and I've been saying in the name of the living God, the word says he will make you wiser than your teachers. I've been declaring the authority we've been given. Instead of walking into a test feeling inadequate, you ought to be walking in declaring I have a mind that is sound through the things of God. I have been given victory in the name of Jesus Christ. I will conquer and whatsoever I put my hand to do for the glory of God shall be accomplished in Jesus name. Amen. Take your authority. Third trial. The devil not only wants to take your authority, he wants to destroy your destiny. Right now you have a destiny and it seems like a clear slate to where you're headed. Listen to me carefully. What was Jesus's destiny? You know what the location of Jesus's destiny was? The cross. The cross. Jesus came seeking to save that which had been lost. The cross was his destiny. The Bible says that before the foundations of the world, he was already crucified. He, the cross was where he was headed. Now watch me, this is, this is important. I want you to get this. The cross is where he's headed. What does the devil do to him? What's on the other side of the cross? On the other side of the cross is a kingdom of God's authority where every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I've never seen this passage like this before. Watch this. So what happens? The devil takes him, puts him up on a high mountain, shows him all the kingdoms of the world and says, watch this, if you will just bow down and worship me, I will make all of them worship you. Now hold on a minute. Jesus had to go the way of the cross, but on the other side of the cross, everybody was going to worship him as Lord. But watch this. The enemy said, if you'll just worship me, I won't let you go the way of the cross to get where you think you need to be. 
You see, the enemy was trying to say, I'll give you an easier way, Jesus, to get to your destiny. I'll give you a shortcut. Satan was offering Jesus a destiny without the identity that God had given him, without the authority Christ had, that God had given him to have power over death, hell, and the grave. And what did Satan want us to do as well? He wants us to cut corners. He wants us to lie, cheat, steal, and begin to live like the world we live in. Why? Because I don't want to pay the the price to get to where God called me to live. Let me tell you something. It might cost you something to go against the status quo, but it's worth it if you wait. It's worth it if you'll honor God and not live with that person before marriage. It's worth it if you'll honor God on your job. It's worth it if you'll honor God in your school. It's worth it. It might cost you something more today when everybody else is out partying and you've got your face in a book, but when they don't know how to answer the test, you'll know how to go through. Why? Because you kept going doing what's right. Amen. I know what some of you are saying, Pastor Don, why am I even here? I'm not graduating high school. Well, I'm trying to tell you, if you'd known this then, then you wouldn't need needing to hear it today. Amen. Oh, did I say that out loud? I'm sorry. You see, if you get to somewhere an easy way, it's always a cheap substitute for quality. Listen to me. Serving Jesus is not part-time choice. Trying to be a part-time Christian is the easy way. If you'll serve Jesus every day of your life, you, I have never seen this fail. If you'll serve Jesus every day of your life, when you are my age or even older, you'll never say, I wish I hadn't done that. But if you'll push him off, you're going to regret it. Your body's going to show it. Your record's going to show it. Your failures and your divorces and your struggles are going to show it. But you plant yourself. And you find the will of God for your life. I hope I'm not making you angry today, but quite frankly, I wish somebody would have told me this that weekend I graduated. You plant yourself. No matter what the world tries to tell you, you keep honoring God. Let me step off the, that for just a moment. Let me just say this to everybody. You see, one of the greatest ways that we learn to carry our cross are in the relationships that we have. In case you figured it out, the cross in your marriage was not put there to hit each other with. Some of you are like, I'm carrying my cross. Boom. The cross in your marriage was to make you learn how to bite your tongue how to serve somebody else, how to love the way you're supposed to love. The cross that you have to carry, we learn to carry in all the relationships of our lives. And this is what I'm about to say is so important. I want you to hear what I'm saying. It's going to sound unspiritual, but it is so spiritual. Well, listen to me carefully. One of the best places you learn to carry your cross, you ready for this? Church. They didn't speak to me. Pick up your cross and keep going. I don't like the way they handle that. Pick up your cross. That preacher preached too long. Pick up your cross. Because you need to be here. You need to volunteer here. You need to serve here. You need to support here. Pastor Don, why? Why in this sermon would you put that in? Because watch this. It takes 
picking up your cross when you could have laid out to get to God's house. Volunteering, when it seems like only 20% do it, picking up your cross. Oh, I was waiting for that one. Serving. You see, you think you're not doing anything if you're just greeting somebody at a door or standing at a table or parking cars. And, but what you're doing, even in fact, you know what our car uh, uh, parking team, or, or our parking lot team, man, they are carrying their cross every weekend. You pull in, you're like, mm -mm, I'm parking over there. And they're like, We're just trying to get people a space to come and fit. And, <laughs> I parked cars at the time of my life, and I'm going to tell you, I was carrying my cross, but I also thought about planting it right in the middle of their windshield a few times. I'll never forget the first time I went to a church that had to have car parkers. Pastor, what does this have to do with anything? I'm showing you this scripture in practice. One of the men of our church, Larry Ray, was at that church. He was parking cars 30 years ago. I was a young boy and I pulled up and I was early and there was close parking spaces. And that man looked at me and these are the words he said to me, you're young, you can walk. He said, you go down to that gravel parking lot down there. I said, uh, what about those? He said, son, you get on over there. And so you know what I thought about for a moment? I'm just leaving. And I don't know how many people just left, but he was faithful. But then I had another thought go through my mind. You know what that thought was? Someday I'm going to have a church that has parking problems. <laughs> and I'm going to have to have a parking lot crew. God, I will honor you today as part of what I want to see in the future. So if you had trouble finding a parking spot this morning, it's partially my fault. Come on now, amen. Because I believed for that. You see, because he was carrying his cross, it taught me how to take up mine. You might go back to that nursery and work and they bite your ankles all Sunday morning. Particularly if my grandson's in the room. I'm in trouble now. I'd go home with some of y'all. Listen to me. You keep serving. Because you're modeling the cross to others. And I will tell you, if you want to start falling backwards... Stop carrying your cross. See, you can't arrive at your destination by skipping the cross. You've got to serve in your family. You've got to serve in your church. You've got to serve in your community. Some of you want to do great things in the world, but it always starts daily taking up your cross. Now, this is the time I normally say who wants to know Christ, and, and we make our declarations for Christ, but I, I think you've got to get this today first. Your identity is so important. Knowing who you are in Jesus is the key to all the victory you've been trying to unlock. Walking under the authority of those in your life who are in authority and then learning to exercise the freedoms that you have been given in a godly way is the key to identifying your identity. And the thing that helps you keep center is the cross you carry. So I want you to remember these words. That Jesus would only do what he saw his father do. 
And it's not always easy because different opinions and different thoughts and you go, well, I've got the right to say this. No, 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 you've missed the whole point of the sermon. Let's figure out a way to all of us become more like Jesus. And then we'll be looking more like who God created us to be. That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find Real Love Now. Thank you.